0: Shururi So we were looking at some details. Regarding the issue of Janazah, we come to the hadith of <coughs> Abu Hurairah, Radiallahu anhu, Anin Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-kal, Nafsul mu'mini mu'allaqatun bideinihi, hatta yukoda anhu, Rawahu Ahmad wa tirmidi wa hasana. This hadith it says that the soul of a believer is hanging upon its debt until that debt is paid off on behalf of him. هذا من الأحكام المتعلقة بالميت وهو وجوب المصارعة بتسديد دينه إذا كان عليه دين للناس فتجب المسارعه بتسديده حسب الامكان ان كان له تركه فيسدد من تركته وان لم يكن له تركه فيستحب لبعض المسلمين ان يتكفل هذا الدين عن اخيهم لقوله صلى الله عليه وسلم نفس المؤمن يعني روحه الروح والنفس بمعنى واحد مُعَلَّقَ بِدَيْنِهِ يعني مُرْتَهَنَ بِدَيْنِهِ وَمَحْبُوسَ بِدَيْنِهِ عند دُخُولِ الْجَنَّةِ وَعَنِ الْمَغْفِرَةِ حَتَّى يُقْضَى عَنْهُ الْدَيْنِ لِأَنَّ نَعْمَ So this hadith then, it gives us some of the rulings about the person who dies. If somebody dies and they've got a debt, they've got a debt, what is a debt? what's a debt somebody dies and they've got a debt what's a debt something they need to pay all right so imagine you borrowed some money from someone you borrowed some money from someone and then you died and you haven't paid him back yet that's called a debt You got some money of someone and you owe them. You've got to give it back to them. So imagine somebody dies and they never paid it back yet. What are you supposed to do? You are supposed to pay off the debt for that person. How do you pay it off? Where do you get the money from to pay off the debt of this person who's died? A bank whose bank whose account huh so imagine the person left behind some money imagine he used to have some money he died and he left behind some money and he left behind the Tarika his things and his wealth that he left behind you can take it out from there and pay the person that he owes. You can take it out from what he left behind, take the money from there and give it to the, the person that he owes. So that is possible. What if he was poor and he never left any money behind? He died and he had no money anywhere. How are you going to pay off his debt? Ask his family and stuff, that's what they should do. If the family has money, then they should pay off the debt on behalf of that person. What if all of his family really poor, none of them had any money and he died. And he's got a debt, who's going to pay it now? His relatives. So if somebody dies and they've got a debt, you should pay off the debt from the money that they... Left behind. If they were poor and they left nothing behind, then you can go to their relatives, their family, and maybe somebody can pay that debt. What if none of them can do it? None of the family or relatives can do it? Then any of the Muslims can do it on their behalf. A Muslim, some people could come along and say, whatever that debt was, we'll pay it to the people on behalf of him. So somebody should pay off that debt. Because otherwise this hadith says that if a person dies and he's got a debt, then he is stuck. The soul of that person is stuck and it cannot go into paradise and get the forgiveness until that debt is paid off. So the debt needs to be paid off either from the money the person left behind or from his family and relatives or any Muslims can volunteer and say we will give the debt on behalf of him. النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وسلم عَنِ الْأَمْوَاتِ أَنَّهُ كَانَ لَا يُصَلِّي عَلَىٰ مَنْ مَاتَ وَعَلَيْهِ دَيْنَ فَكَانَ إِذَا بِالْجَنَازَةَ لِيُصَلِّيَ The Prophet used to give a lot of importance to this issue of debts. If somebody died and they had a debt, the Prophet ﷺ, it's mentioned when they would come to him and they say there's a janazah, he would say, that person, did he have a debt? If they said, yes, he had a debt that hasn't been done yet, then the Prophet ﷺ wouldn't go and pray the janazah, he would say, you go and pray upon him. To give importance to this issue, فَلَمَّا فَتَحَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ, عليه صَارَ يَتَحَمَّلَ الْدِيُونَ عَنِ الْأَمْوَاتَ الَّذِينَ لَيْسَ Later on when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the affair easier and the Muslims had wealth and wealth was available to the Prophet Sallam, when they used to come to him with a janazah and if that person had debts who hadn't been paid off yet the Prophet Sallam himself would pay them off and then pray upon him. Later on when more wealth was available then the Prophet Sallam himself would pay off that debt and then pray upon him. فهذا مما يدل على خطر الدين so this indicates the dangerous nature of debts, dying with a debt it's something very important وان المدين يطالب بدينه وانه يحبس عن الْجَنَّةِ وعن المغفرة حتى يقضى ما عليه من الديون التي للناس the hadith indicates That a person will not get the forgiveness and will not enter into paradise until these debts are paid off. Because that is a right of the people. And the rights of the people must be returned. These rights of the people they cannot be wiped out unless the people themselves forgive that person and excuse him. Then okay. But if the person doesn't forgive and doesn't excuse, then you cannot just wipe out the debt. You have to pay it back and give the rights back. Uh, فَكَيْفَ بِالَّذِي أَخَذَهُ مِنْ طَرِيقِ ظُلْمٍ وَغَصْبٍ وَاِعْتِدَاءِ فَالْأَمْرَ أَشَدْ Shaykh says, all of this topic is about somebody who took a legitimate loan. You went to somebody and you asked him for some money. You needed to buy something. And he gave it to you, so it was all properly done. If you die without paying him back, then the hadith says, you cannot get the forgiveness and paradise until that is returned to him. What if you had stolen that money or taken it forcefully? You wanted to borrow some money, he didn't want to give it to you. So you pushed him and took it and got it out of his pocket and went. Now you die without paying him back. Now even more problem. You got this money of him that you owe him. But on top of that, you didn't even get it properly. You forcefully got it. Even more problem. So, no doubt, this is a serious issue. The rights of the people are very serious. And you cannot get lazy or slack when it comes to the rights of the people. You must return the rights of the people. So if any people have rights upon you, you should quickly try to pay off those rights. Quickly t- try and take care of those rights. So you don't die and those rights are still upon you. فدل هذا hadith So this hadith indicates that you need to be quick in paying off the debt of the deceased person So that he can be freed Otherwise the hadith says it's like that dead person is stuck The soul of that dead person is stuck Cannot be given forgiveness and enter paradise It can't move on until that debt is paid off so, be quick and pay off the debt of the deceased person. The soul of that dead person will be uh, it will be uh, stuck, it will be held, it will be held because of that debt until it is paid off. Um, So the Shaykh mentions the hadith again about when people were brought to the Prophet ﷺ and they hadn't paid off their debts. And how the Prophet ﷺ took that in a very serious way. So this hadith, the meaning of it is what then? If somebody dies and they've got a debt, what do you do? Pay off. Okay, how do you pay it off? From his money that he left behind. What if he left no money behind? Ask some of his relatives, his friends, etc. What if none of them got anything? Ask anybody. Ask anybody, maybe some of the Muslims will volunteer and just pay off the debt for him. And that should be done quickly. As soon as the chance is there, when the person dies, as soon as possible, pay off those debts. Then... عَنِ ابْنِ عَبَّاسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صلى الله عليه وسلم قَالَ فِي الَّذِي سَقَطَ عَنْ رَاحِلَتِهِ فَمَاتْ اِغْسِلُوهُ بِمَاءٍ وَصِدْرٍ وَكَفِّنُوهُ فِي ثَوْبَيْنِ This is now telling us about shrouding and burying the dead person. In this hadith of Ibn Abbas رضي الله عَنْهُمَا that the Prophet said about that man who fell off his riding animal and died: Wash him with water and with sidr and shroud him in two garments. وَهُوَ فِي الرَّجُلِ الَّذِي كَانَ وَاقِفًا مَعَ النَّبِي صلى الله عليه وسلم فِي عرفة وَهُوَ مُحْرِم بِالْحَجْ This is about a man, this hadith متفق عليه in al a muslim There was a man who was in hajj with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. He was in hajj, he was muhrim with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. And he fell off his riding animal Fell off his riding animal And when he fell off his riding animal, the animal moved and squashed him with its hooves, its leg. So the man died. He fell off the animal and then he was trampled by the animal. So the man died. He was in Hajj, he was Muhrim. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صلى الله عليه وسلم كَفِّنُوهُ فِي ثَوْبَيْنِ وَفِي رَوَايَةَ فِي ثَوْبَيْهِ وَلَا تَمَسُّوهُ بِطِيبٍ وَلَا تُخَمِّرُوا رأسه. So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, Shroud him in two garments. In another narration, Shroud him in his two garments. Which his two garments? Ihram, he was wearing his ihram, so shroud him in the two garments. In one narration, in his two garments, and do not put any fragrance on him, because a muhrim is not allowed any fragrance. And do not cover his face, his head. وفي رواية اغسلوه بماء وصدر وكفنوه في ثوب ولا تحنطو وفي رواية لا تمسوه طيبا ولا تخمروا رأسا فإنه يبعث يوم القيامة ملبيا What is the reason why his head is not covered up and the fragrance is not put on him because he is in a state of إحرام and the hadith says فإنه يبعث يوم الْقِيَامَةِ ملبيا he will be resurrected on the day of judgment making talbiyah. How do you make talbiyah? Labbayk Allahumma, labbayk Labbayk ala shariq, ala ka You heard of it? So he will raise up, he will be resurrected on that day doing the talbiyah. So, what does this hadith indicate to us? Al mas'ala, al ula. وَجُوبْ تَغْسِيلُ الْمَيِّيْتِ The obligation to wash The obligation to wash A deceased individual The obligation to wash a deceased individual Somebody who dies, you must wash their body Because the Prophet here Commanded them to wash him Commanded them to wash him وَجَاءَتْ مَعَنَاهُ أَحَادِيثِ كَمَا يَأْتِي And there are many ahadith which mention this issue of washing the dead person فَتَغْسِيلُ الْمَيِّتْ وَاجِبُ It is wajib, obligatory, to wash the dead person وَلَمْ نَقِفْ عَلَىٰ علة أَوْ حِكْمَةِ فِي ذَلِكَ هل هو للطهارة أو للنظافة فهم مختلفون في ذلك ومتوقفون يقولون العلة تعبُدية والله أحلم. The scholars, they do not have an exact reason why Allah has commanded us to wash the dead person before burying him. Maybe it's just for purification, so that he's upon wudu and ghusl properly before being buried. Purification, tahara. Maybe it's just to be clean. Make sure the body is clean before burying it. Maybe it's just those reasons. Some of the scholars said maybe it is just ta'abbudi. Meaning this is just one of those things which is an act of worship to do, so you just do it. That is the command from Allah, so just do it. You don't need to work out why do we do it. So that is something different about between the scholars. Why is the reason that you wash the dead body before burying it? But some of them said maybe tahara, maybe nadafa. <mukhtalifuna> ولكن يجب تغسيل الميت بالصدر مع الماء لأنه مادة تنظيف مثل الصابون بل هو أحسن من الصابون So you use the Sidr. What did we say about Sidr? Come for what was it? Lotus leaves? they call it lotus leaves? So it it is a natural substance anyway. It is a natural substance which is supposed to be better than soap. It is supposed to be better than soap. Comfort and the lotus leaves and these things they call it the sidr. So it is supposed to be better than soap even. That is what has been mentioned. To use that in washing the body of the deceased. So you mix this sidr with water. And then you wash the body of the person. Oh. يوضع في إناء مستقل حتى تظهر رغواته ثم تأخذ الرغوة فيغرق بها شعر رأس الميت والحياته لأنه ينظف وهو بارد على الجسم فله خاصية وهو أفضل من غيره ويجوز now. or you could get this cedar and put it separately and then use it from there mixing it into the hair and the, the, the beard and onto the body of the person and uh, it is also something which is cool, and so that is good as well for the body. So this siddhar in particular has been mentioned to be used in the washing of the body. ويجوزن سَائِرُ الْمُنَظِّفَاتِ وَالْإِشْنَانِ Anybody know? What is al-ishnan? Al-ishnan? So... The Shaykh says, if you don't have this sidr, if you don't have the sidr, then you can use other things which have the same type of uh, purpose, like soap, you can use soap. Soap is allowed. Soap, and he mentions this other item also, all of these other things that clean and they do the same job, it's allowed. But it's just mentioned sidr because that is the one that has the most cleaning ability and impact. وفي al الحاضر Ah, وَفِي وَقْتِنَا الشامبو المعروف So nowadays the shaykh says they have all these shampoos and gels You can use it It's allowed to wash the body of the deceased person with those Shampoos and gels and things As long as you are purifying and cleaning that body with it All of these things do the same thing Soap and shampoo and gel So it is allowed to use those things فكل الْمَوَادِ يُسْتَعْمَلُ مِنْهَا So from all of these things, whatever you have access to, you can use them in the washing of the body. You think, how how am I going to get sidr? Then when you got soap or shampoo, then you can use it. It is allowed and it does the same type of job. But if you are able to get this sidr, then that is the best. Because the sidr, that is the one that the Prophet ﷺ advised with specifically. So if you can get hold of that in particular, that's the best. If not, soaps and shampoos and gels and these things can be used in the washing of the body. Second issue is, the first issue was what then? That it is an obligation to wash the body of the deceased. Second issue, the second issue in the hadith was what? And then after that, once you wash the body, to wrap it up, to shroud the body. Al-masāla wujūb takfin al qawlihi wa And that is because the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, and shroud him. This shrouding of the body is a priority over other things. To get the garments to shroud him in is a priority. So whatever money he's left behind, You take some out to get these garments to shroud him in. That is a must. You must get this shrouding as a top priority. Other things, inheritance and everything afterwards. First thing, take some money out to get the shrouding garments. So that must be done as a priority. Also, all of the burial costs, that is a priority too. That is a priority. That must come out of his money too. If, that, if he's left behind money, you can take it out of his money. If the relatives are going to do it, no problem. But otherwise, from his money, it's a priority. You can't say, but the, the inheritance is less distributed and there's nothing left to bury him with. Priority take some money for the burial and the costs. Whatever's left afterwards is inheritance and things. So, to, uh, uh, to guard the grave, to get it good and prepared, etc., and to carry him to the graveyard if that is required. And that is a, a side point here. When carrying the bodies to the graveyard, obviously, here in this country, you have to use cars to get there. You have to use some transport to get there. Muslim countries, it's different. Maybe the masjid Then you can walk 100 meters, 200 meters, graveyard is down there. But here it's not like that. You need a car. So if you need a car, is there anything to think about regarding the car and the transporting of the body? What type of car do you use? A taxi? Like those long black ones. Like a limo, the long black ones, and in the back they put the body. You know, as Sheikh al-Albani says, you should not use those cars. He says, don't use those cars. Everybody knows here in this country, they use the big black cars, like a big estate. Long black one, and they put the body in the back, it's a big estate. And then they drive it, black one. Sheikh That's common, that is the culture in this country. That is what you do. You use the long black car. That is the tradition and the culture of the people in burial. As Shaykh al-Albani says, you should not follow that culture. Don't follow that culture. That is from the kuffar. They have this culture, the long black car. And they put the flowers and do everything. And you've seen it in the street sometimes. Sheikh al-Albani says, don't follow their culture. Don't imitate them like that. Don't imitate them. He says, this is imitation. You're going to get one of those long funeral cars and put the flowers on In the street you would never be able to tell Is this a Muslim grave or is it a kafir? Exactly same black car, everything Shaykh al-Albani said don't follow and imitate this tradition of theirs Use some other car, just some plain car, some other estate, a van, anything There's no disrespect in that People think that disrespect a van Let's use the proper funeral car Shaykh al-Albani says don't get involved in copying their traditions Use any car, any something you can get to put the body in carefully and take it. So, that is to take it to the grave. وَأُجْرَةُ ifa <الْغَاسل> إِذَا كَانَ bil بِالْأُجْرَةِ Sometimes, if nobody can do the washing, you may need to uh, pay someone to come and do the washing. Somebody knows what they're doing. Imagine nobody can do it, they don't know what's happening. Then you have to maybe pay someone who will come and he'll come and do the washing. That's, it's allowed. So you may get someone to come and do that washing for you properly. فَمُؤْنَةُ تَجْهِيزِهِ وَتَغْسِيلِهِ وتكفينه وَحُفَرْ قَبْرِهِ كُلُّ ذَلِكَ يكون مِنْ رَأْسِ التَّرِكَ مُقَدَّمٌ عَلَى غيره مِنَ الْحُقُوقِ حَتَّى وَلَوْ كَانَ عَلَيْهِ ديون. So, preparing him, shrouding him, getting the grave dug, transporting him, all of the burial and funeral costs, they are the number one priority from his money first. So imagine a person died, and he had 10,000 pounds. He died and he had 10,000 pounds. He had debts of 1,000 pounds. He owed Ali 1,000 pounds. First thing you have to do is, from that 10,000 pounds, you have to check how much is all the funeral, burial, everything gonna cost. What does it cost? Three, four thousand pounds something? So a few thousand pounds that few thousand four thousand let's say you will have to take that out first from that ten thousand priority forget about ali as well priority first take out four thousand make sure you got all of the funeral costs everything done then what is left now we have six so alhamdulillah you can get your money back but first the shaykh says the first thing you must From the priority of his money is all of his burial costs. That is the first thing. Nowadays, of course, we know most of the time the families, everybody takes care of it. Okay, no problem. But otherwise, the ruling is like this. If it came to it like this, from his money, it's the burial costs first. Then whatever's left, you can start looking at people's debts. Because that's obvious. If we gave the debts out first, and there wasn't enough left to dig the grave and bury him, what are you going to do? Body's just going to stay there. Possible. You have to dig the grave and bury it. You have to do all of that. That's a must. So that must take priority over the debts. Then after that you do the debts. If somebody went to Antarctica, that's the question. It's no problem. If you go to Antarctica... And somebody died there. If nobody knows about it, then Then we will never know he was there. And we will never know. But imagine somebody dies, there's a similar question to that. Imagine somebody dies in a country somewhere, and nobody prays the janazah on him. Imagine now your question that you said. There's a Muslim explorer. One Muslim explorer. He went with a team to Antarctica. All the rest of the team are non-Muslims. Out there, when they get there, he died. The Muslim died. The rest of them are non-Muslim. So will they have done a janazah prayer for him? No. So now what do we do? No. Can we pray the janaza or not? Nobody prayed janazah on him. They were all non-Muslims that the rest of it but if a janazah hasn't been prayed hasn't been prayed then you can pray you can pray the janazah but we'll get to those topics later in the hadith anyway so here it says about shrouding him in two garments in two garments the bottom piece and the top piece uh, Al في ولا يخمر رأسه لأنه محرم لأن المحرم الذكر لا يغطى في النوم ولا في غيره كل رأسه دائما so the muhrim, you shroud him but you leave his head uncovered because the muhrim, his head is never covered even when you're asleep even when you're asleep you shouldn't cover your head it's a mistake you see the hajjis, they're there at night they put their thing around their head. To go to sleep. Even at night you're supposed to leave your head uncovered. Uh, يكون رأسه دائما مكشوفا إلى أن يحل من إحرامه رأس المحرم من الإحرام So you cannot cover the head and neither can you put the fragrance on. So why do you not do these things for the muhrim person? فإنه يبعث يوم القيامة ملبيا. Because he will rise up on the Day of Judgment doing the talbiyah. مَعْنَاهُ أَنَّهُ بَاقِي عَلَى إحرامِهِ So that means this person remains in the state of Ihram. إحرام. وَأَنَّ إِحْرَامُهُ لَمْ يَنْقَطِعُ بِالْمَوْتِ And death does not cut off his state of being in Ihram. Death doesn't mean he's not in ihram anymore, he is still in ihram. إحرام so that person remains as a محرم up until he is resurrected, he is محرم فدل على أن لا Manasik. Also This indicates that imagine a a person doing hajj, died in the middle of hajj. Do you, does somebody from his relatives have to finish off hajj for him? No. You might think, well he was halfway through, he died and somebody needs to finish it off for him, do tawaf for him and everything for him. No, you don't do it. Nobody substitutes for him. لأنه متلبس بها وباق على ذلك وهو ميت Because he hasn't come out of Ihram, he is still in Ihram himself You cannot go into Ihram on his behalf and finish it off He is the one still in Ihram himself So you cannot do that on his behalf فلا يناب عنه في ذلك هذا هو ظاهر الحديث وإن قال بعض الفقهاء بأنه تكمل عنه بقية المناسك فهذا قول يخالف ظاهر هذا الحديث some scholars, they said, you are supposed to finish it off for him, but that seems to oppose the apparent meaning of this hadith. Issue number three. al al-Thalitha. mayyit al-Muhrim yujannab ma al al-Muhrim min ihram The person who is Muhrim and dies, he still has to be kept away from the things a person who is Muhrim and is alive has to keep away from. So you can't do fragrance on him, etc. You can't do any of those things that a normal muhrim can't do. Number four, al-masālat al-rabbīyah: 'Ana man māt wa huwa matalbīs bil-ihram, fānahu la ta'adā 'anhul manāsik, wa la yunab 'anhuh, bal yetrūk, yutruk bil-ihramih kama kanaḥiyar.' That we mentioned. Next hadith now then. So that hadith has taught us about you have to wash the body and you must. Shroud the body, and if it's a muhrim, do not cover the head or do any of the things that a muhrim can't do. وعن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت لما أرادوا غسل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قالوا والله ما ندري نجرد رسول الله كما نجرد موتانا أم لا in this hadith now, it talks about when the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam died When he died, obviously they now needed to perform the janazah The Sheikh mentions كان الَّذِي تَوَلَّى تَغْسِي عَلِي إِبْنَ بِطَالِبِ وَعَمُّهُ الْعَبَّاسِ وَالْفَضْلِ إِبْنَ الْعَبَّاسِ Usama ibn Zaid wa Qutham ibn Abbas. The ones who took care of this ghusl for the Prophet sallallahu wa sallam was Ali ibn Abi Talib, these names you mentioned, and the uncle of Ali ibn Abi Talib, or the, uh, the uncle of the Prophet, Al Abbas, and the son of Al Abbas, Al Fadl, Al Fadl ibn Abbas, Usama ibn Zayd, and Qutham ibn Abbas. They were the ones who did the washing of the Prophet sallam The one who actually did the washing and the others were helping. The one who actually did the washing was Ali ibn Abi Talib. وَكَانَ الَّذِي وَالَّذِي بَشَرَ التَّغْسِيلُ هُوَ عَلِيُّ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ. وَأَمَّ الْبَقِيَّ فَإِنَّهُمْ يُعِينُونَ يَصْبُونَ عَلَيْهِ الْمَاءُ وَيَقْلِبُونَهُ مَعَهُ. The others they were helping him and pouring the water and giving him help, but Ali ibn Abi Talib is the one who did the washing. قَالُوا They said وَاللَّهِ مَا نَدْرِي أَنُجَرِّدُوا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ كَمَنُجَرِّدُوا مَوْتَانَا When it came to the washing of the Prophet they said, by Allah, we don't know. They said, by Allah, we don't know. Shall we remove the garments of the Prophet wasallam just like normally you would remove the garments of the dead person, just cover the private area, remove all the rest of the garments, everywhere else naked, and then wash the person. Shall we do that to the Prophet? ﷺ? Remove his garments? Like we remove the garments of normal people when they die? They said, By Allah, we don't know what to do. Shall we remove the clothes of the Prophet ﷺ? or not? <laughs> so they were saying, What shall we do? Shall we remove his garments like we normally do to others who die? Or shall we just wash him with his garments on top? With his garments, just pour the water on top. Shall we leave the garments on or shall we take them off? Ashkala alayhim. They were confused by this, they were stuck. What shall we do? This hadith proves something to you though. It proves that normally what you're supposed to do is remove the clothes. That's what you normally do because now they were confused. They were saying, Shall we do what we normally do, which is to. Remove the clothes, or shall we wash the Prophet وسلم, with his clothes left on? إِلَّا أَنَّهُ أَشْكَلْ عَلَيْهِمْ شَأَنْ الرَّسُولِ صلى الله عليه وسلم عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةِ وَالسَّلَامِ وهم هابوا أن So they were not sure about the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم because of the status of the Prophet and they had that great Honor and nobility for him, respect for him, and they were, they were shy. But should we remove the garments of the Prophet So whilst they were in this situation, thinking, what shall we do? Allah cast upon them. Sleep. Then they heard somebody shouting or saying, they heard this statement being said wa sallam washed the prophet in his clothes so they washed him with his clothes on they poured the water on top of his clothes and they were just rubbing on top of his clothes تكون الثياب حائل بينهم وبين جسم الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم So the clothes were a barrier between them and the body of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم فغسلوه على هذه الكيفية So that's how they washed him, poured the water on top and his clothes were still on and they were just rubbing on top of his clothes يصبون الماء على الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم وعليه ثيابه وذلكونهما والرأيث ثياب هذا الذي هداهم الله إليه جل وعلا That's what they were guided to do فَدَلَّ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْمَيِّتِ يُجَرَّدْ عند الْتَغْسِيلِ وَلَكِنْ بد أَنْ يُوضَعْ عَلَىٰ عَوْرَاتِهِ شَيْءٌ يَسْتُرُهَا ثُمَّ يُجَرَّدْ بَقِيَةُ الْجِسُمُ Normally then the hadith tells us when a person dies you take all of their clothes off apart from the private area you put something on top of that you put something on that and then you remove their garments so the private area has something covering it and the rest of the body you take off the clothes then ويكون أيضا التغسيل في موضع مستور. And also the washing of the body we said before in the ملخّص الفقهي it needs to be somewhere where nobody can see in a hidden area في خيمة أو حجرة أو ولا يحضر إلا من يغسل أو يعين على التغسيل فلا يترك يطالعه الناس وينظرون إليه. And the only people who should go into that room are the ones who are actually going to wash and help the washing. Anybody just there to watch, it shouldn't be. Only the ones who are actually going to wash, help doing the washing, they should go in. And the hadith also tells us the specific rule for the Prophet ﷺ that his garments were not removed. كَمَا دَلَّ على خاصية الرسول Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the end of the year, the end of the year, the end الله عليه year, the end of the year, the end of the year, the end of the ثلاثا أو خمسا أو أكثر من ذلك إن رأيتنا ذلك بماء والصدر وجعلنا في الآخرة كافورا أو شيئا من كافور فلما فرغنا آذناه فألقى إلينا حقوه فقال أشعرناها إياه متفق عليه وفي روايه إبدأنا بميامينها ومواضع الوضوء منها وفي لفظ للبخاري فظفرنا شعرها فلا قرون فألقيناه خلفها These narrations now from Umm Atiyah, رضي الله عنها, one of the female companions she says that the Prophet وسلم, came in one day, and we, meaning the women, Um Atiyah and the women, they were washing the body of the daughter of the Prophet. You know, all of the kids, all of the children of the Prophet وسلم, died whilst he was still alive, except Fatima, who died after him by a few months all the rest of his children he saw their deaths he experienced their deaths so zain it is mentioned here this was either zainab or maybe um, uh, um kulthum, uh, here Zaynab, Abil Aas, Ibn um kulthum Ibn so uh, it is mentioned most likely this hadith is about zainab so they were washing the daughter of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Zainab, uh, most likely, and the Prophet Sallallahu walked in. This indicates to us something we mentioned before previously, that the washing should be done by the same gender. So here it was the daughter of the Prophet Sallallahu so the ones washing her were the women. وفي Dalil دليل على أن المرأة يتولّى تَغْسِيلَهَا النساء. This shows that a woman who dies, the women are supposed to do her washing. قَوْلُهَا وَنَحْنُ نَغْسِلُ ابنته فَقَالْ وَاكْثَرَ مِن ذَلِكَ إِنْ رأيتنا ذَلِكَ She said that we were washing his daughter, and he said wash her three times, or five times, or more than that, whatever you see suitable. This indicates what. هذا في هذا فيه دليل على تكرار الغسالات، وأنه لا يكتفى بمرة واحدة. هذا من باب الأفضلية. وإلا فالواجب مرة mazada ولكن ما زاد عن المرة فإنهم من باب الأفضلية. This the Prophet Sallam said to them when they were washing her: Wash her three times. Or five times. Or more than that if you see suitable. Indicates that the deceased person is washed. Ah, So multiple times. More than once. Three, five in the odd numbers mentioned there. So this means that the dead person, it's not just about doing one washing. You should do multiple washings. One is the minimum. Do more than that, do another washing on top and another washing on top, do it three times, five times, whatever you see suitable to get the good washing of the body, that is okay, and that is good. And that you do it in the odd numbers, either three, five, seven, etc. ثلاث أو خمس أو سبع وَتَوَقَّفَ عِنْدَ السَّبْعِ فَهِيَ أَعْلَى حَدْ it shouldn't go more than seven times Up to seven times you can wash the body Seven is the max It shouldn't go beyond that إلا أنه قد يحتاج إلى زيادة عن إذا The only reason you go above seven is if there is a necessity If there was a necessity after seven, you notice that actually still some parts need washing, then okay, you can go above the seven. If some necessity occurs, or after seven, something exits from the body of the deceased, so you need to do some more washing, in that case, it is right. But if you need to go more than seven, still keep it odd. So if after seven, you notice you need to do a bit more yet, you do one more, and if it's clean after eight, you should add anyway a ninth one just to keep it, لكن لا تقطع على شفع وإنما تقطع على وتر لأن الله تعالى يحب الوتر وفوض سلم ذلك إليهن لأنهن صاحبات خبرة وهن أدرى بما يصلح للغسيل إن رأيتن ذلك. so the Prophet sallam left that responsibility with the women. He said you decide three, five, seven, three, five or more, whatever you see suitable. They had the experience; they knew when the body was washed properly. The Prophet left it to them. فَدَلَّ عَلَى أَنَّ غاصل الْمَيَّتِ يُفَوِّض إلَيْهِ شَأْنَ التَّغْسِيلِ إِذَا كان يحسن So the person doing the washing, the responsibility is left with that person if he knows what he's doing. Here, Um A'tiya and the women knew what they were doing. So the Prophet Sallam said to them, three, five, whatever you see suitable," left it to them to decide. So the person doing the washing, if he knows what he's doing, then it's his responsibility to determine, is it 3, is it 5, is it 7, how to do it. As for a person who doesn't know how to do the washing properly in the first place, he shouldn't do it in the first place. Somebody doesn't know what's going on and they don't know how to do the washing, then they shouldn't do the washing. Somebody else should do it instead, who knows what they're doing and how to do the washing. يبحث عن غيري. And then again, in this hadith, he mentions bima in wasidrin use the water and the cider. Uh, وجعلنا في الآخرة يعني في الغصلة الأخيرة كافورا أو شيئا من كافور. هذا شك من الراوي. هل قال رسول الله kafuran, إجعلنا كافورا أو شيئا من كافور؟ والمعنى واحد. وإنما هذا فيه دقة الصحابة رضي الله عنهم في الرواية وأنهم يتحاشون أن ينصبوا what's that in english cam-4. Cam-4. so this is what they call this one camphor and that is another basically uh, 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 uh,
1: uh,
0: Type of material or whatever uh, the type of natural thing again used for cleaning it is again a a, a type of thing used in cleaning and it has a good smell to it it has a fragrance to it as well this one has a fragrance to it as well so this kafur, which has the good fragrance to it as well is put in in the last washing so if you're going to do three washings in the last washing put that in as well because then that will remain If You put it in the first washing then do a few more after that you'll get rid of it So in the last washing to add that in as well uh, And also the scholars they say this Kafur له خاصية بجلد الميت فإنه يصلبه ويطرد عنه الهوام فلذلك صار في الغسلة الأخيرة لأنه لو كان في التي قبلها لزال بالماء فيكون في الأخيرة من أجل أن يبقى أثره على جسم الميت من حيث الرائحة ومن حيث فائدته للجسم also this particular uh the Kafur, the kafor, it is some kam, kamfo, it is something good for the skin it helps the, the skin of the deceased preserves it, it or uh, makes it more stronger and it keeps away uh, 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 unwanted items etc coming onto the skin so it is something good for the skin to use this in the last washing as well then she says when we were finished we did the washing and we were finished أَذَنَّاهُ We went and told the Prophet ﷺ يعني أَعْلَمْنَاهُ يعني وفي رواية أنه قال أَعْلِمْنَنِي In one version the Prophet ﷺ actually said to them Tell me when you're done فَأَلْقَى إِلَيْنَا حَقْ وَهُ الحق بالفتح هو الإزار وحق والإنسان معقد والإزار ثُمَّ أُطْلِقَ الْحَقُ عَلَى الْإِزَارِ مِنْ بَابِ التَّوَسُعِ فالحق مَعَنَاهُ الْإِزَارِ So then the Prophet ﷺ gave them an izar, meaning like the cloth that you wear, threw the cloth for them. وَالْمُرَادِ إِزَارِ الرَّسُولِ صلى الله عليه وسلم أَلْقَاهُ إِلَيْهِنَّ وَقَالَ أَشْعِرْنَاهَا إِيَّا So his own izar that he used to wear, he threw that to them and said to them uh, basically to rub that onto her skin to rub that izar of his his own izar that he used to wear onto the skin of Zainab as it appears to have been اي اشعرنها اياه اي اجعلنه مما يلي wa وجسمها وذلك تبركا به لما فيه مماسط جسم الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم والتبرك بما لامس جسده وشريف مشروع. كما أنه تبرك بمنفصل من جسمه من شعر أو من ريق أو من عرق لأن الله صلى الله عليه وسلم مبارك So that was for Barakah That was at the time the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم his garment Barakah from that garment at the time وهذا خاص به صلى الله عليه وسلم فلا يتبرك بغيره من العلماء والصالحين And that is not something you can do with anybody else That is specific to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that Barakah لأن الصحابة لم يفعلوا هذا مع غير النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لم يفعلوه مع أبي بكر وهو أفضل الأمة ولا مع عمر The صحابة never used to do this barakah, taking barakah from anybody else, not from Abu Bakr, not from عمر, not from anyone else So that is specific to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم ولا مع الصحابة الذين لهم سابقة في الإسلام ولهم فضل عظيم ما فعلوا هذا وإنما فعلوا هذا مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم خاصة اَخْتِصَاصِ التَّبَرُّكْ بِهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ فِي مَنْ فَصَلَ مِنْ جِسْمِهِ الشَّرِيفِ أَوْ So this indicates something which touched the Prophet his garments or something which came from him, then there is barakah in that, uh, and that is if it is authentic. The people nowadays, what do they claim? Everywhere you go they claim we have the hair of the Prophet we have the the uh, blanket of the Prophet wasallam, the turban, the house, lots of things. They say, we have all of these different things from the Prophet wasallam. They go to the Sufi mosques and they bring a big, like a treasure box. You know what a treasure box looks like. They bring one of those big chests. Inside the chest, there's one hair. They say, this is the hair of the Prophet wasallam. In some places they bring uh, like a blanket, a blanket. They say this is the blanket the Prophet used to wear when he used to walk around. They bring these things, but the majority, the what? Walking stick, everything. Huh? Slippers, everything. The scholars, Sheikh Al-Fawzan, Sheikh Rabia, many of them have said, all of these stories, unless you can properly prove it, all of them are just made up. This uh, hair—it is not the hair of the Prophet sallam. This blanket, these things—they bring to you—they are not from the Prophet It is all lies they make up. Unless it is actually properly proven, okay, fair enough. But the majority, all of these people, what they bring—it is almost always lies. Not from the Prophet sallam, these items and these clothes and these hairs. So you must be very careful with that. Also, in this hadith, it tells us ibda'na bi Mayaminiha, Begin with the right-hand side. And Mawadi' al-Wudu' with the areas of Wudu' And that we mentioned also before When you're making that Wusel Then you must begin with the right hand side first And you must begin with the areas of Wudu' first That's what we'll have to round off today We'll carry on with the rest of it And the other hadith from next week is, next week. Next week insha'Allah Next week we'll carry on In a fortnight it's going to be off Hmm. Homework is what? Homework, I'll tell you what's homework. Get a picture, a picture of Sidr and Kafur. See who can find a picture of Sidr and Kafur. That, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. We're going to do all this, then we'll see at the end if we're going to do a practical one or not. That is not decided yet. Ah. He has a huge amount of debt. All of the community gets together, does whatever they can. Nothing more you can do, then what else can be said? Uh, from where? Zakat, um, Zakat, he's saying, huh? Zakat, yeah. Possibly, possibly, if he was fakir. he was considered one of those people who is one of the people who has the right for it. Maybe, I don't know, we'll have to look for fatwa. Allah Alright, we'll have to conclude. Huh? To what? Inheritance. One of the brothers was asking that the mother died, was non Muslim, and the only child. You cannot inherit from a non Muslim. You cannot inherit from a non Muslim. Well, inshallah, come to it if we can. Small section, that's uh, too complicated. Inheritance. If you study inheritance, you have to get a, a, a board. You have to do maths. It is maths. It is mathematics. Inheritance is mathematics. You have to do division. You have to do add, minus, everything. It's mathematics. Inheritance. It's very difficult. Halas, <laughs> we'll carry on next week, insha'Allah. <laughs>